I'm excited about tonight and this weekend because uh, we have an incredible friend uh, with us tonight. Pastor Jeff Knight uh, is with us. Uh, Pastor Jeff pastors a church, ironically enough, called The Rock Church in Washington State. And I think I probably discovered Jeff by actually like Googling our church. Now you ask me, why do I Google our church? I have no idea. But, uh, but I guess I was trying to see where we come on the lineup of things and how it appears and all that. And I remember several years ago uh, locating this church called The Rock Church in Washington State and reading this amazing and compelling story that I know he's not going to have probably have time to tell tonight, but of uh, Jeff and his parents had started a church and they were extraordinary Christian leaders and had this really um, fantastic ministry and a church was formed out of it and then tragically coming back from a, a mission trip their plane crashed into the ocean they, they passed away they were in their mid-50s I mean just you know at a time when they really could and should have been at their prime and and uh, and so Jeff and his wife Melinda took the church over and have actually taken the church from what it was to something extraordinarily stronger even now. It's really, it's just an amazing story uh, of what God can do in generational pass down of anointing and ministry. But also, one of the reasons I wanted to bring Jeff here for tonight for, for our men's meeting is, uh, all you guys know how much I love NASCAR. You do, don't you just... You know, I, you know, I've spent years building that understanding in our church about how much I just absolutely am so into NASCAR. And, um, but I actually went to Bristol Wednesday night to go to a race, and uh, I did go. Uh, it got rained out, and so uh, anyway, it was a lot of fun. Uh, and uh, drove all the way there and drove back. But I'm going to try again, the God of the second chance. And we're going to do that. But... Uh, pastor Jeff is not only the pastor of an amazing church uh, in Washington State, but he is also uh, in the top five of all NASCAR drivers, racers in the state of Washington. And uh, he races at a place called Evergreen Speedway, is that correct? Which is not quite Bristol, but is definitely not Asheville Speedway. And, uh, and, it, and it's, a, it's, a, it's a pretty significant thing. Uh, Pastor Jeff has won a couple of races over uh, his his time of doing it. He's placed second many times, even this year. I mean, he, he's a force, and he's just got this incredible ministry of racing and doing well and excelling at it, using it as a platform uh, to reach people, and then pastoring a church alongside. I just think it's absolutely amazing, and I thought, what, what a great guy to bring to speak into the life of our men. So I want you to stand to your feet right now. I want you to welcome Pastor Jeff Knight all the way from Washington. Thank you, buddy. Amen, man. Thank you. Come on, just stay standing just for a second. Come on, let's honor Pastor Kirk and just give it up for him tonight. Awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. All right, just put your hands together with me just for a second. Come on now. Come on now. All right. 
it's so great to be here tonight in Asheville, North Carolina. And how many golf fans do we have in the, in, in the room? Absolutely. Pastor Kirk is an avid golfer. My wife asked me today, she said, is golf in the Olympics this year? And I said, it is. And she said, then why are they having a tournament at home? She's very confused about this. And I said, well, I said, I don't know, but golf's in the Olympics and seeing how golf and NASCAR aren't really sports, I'm thinking NASCAR needs to be in the Olympics real soon. I'm thinking, I'm thinking we're getting there, right? So my name's Jeff. Say hi, Jeff. So glad that you guys came out on a Friday night. I think that tonight, uh, anytime a guy steps into a church on a Friday night, something special can happen in their life. And so I don't know what you came uh, battling, but I know that you're a warrior. And I know deep down within you is, uh, is a man that desires to conquer his enemies, desires to provide for his own, desires to make his own way. And I just want you to know that whatever your background is, wherever you come from, whether it's golf, you know, with pretty shorts and collars, or NASCAR, where we wear fire suits because sometimes we catch on fire. <laughs> or, or football jerseys, right? Um, go Panthers, huh? That was, that was stunning last year. That was stunning last year. Good thing you guys are a first quarter team because uh, anyway, anyway, we'll go from there. But, uh, but uh, no matter what you're facing tonight, no matter where you come from, no matter what the love of your life is, I want, I want, to, I want to tonight, I want to allow the Holy Spirit to tap in to the greatness that is within you, the warrior that's within you, the man of God that's within you. And I think something special can happen when a group of guys come into church on Friday night. I really do with all my heart. I believe it. And I came here today just with a, a message that I've been sharing with my guys at home, something that I've been sharing across coffee tables from guys, stuff that I've been sharing in meetings just like this or in small groups. When I get together with men, I want to tap into something that I don't think that we stretch enough. I don't think we use enough. I don't think we grow enough with it. And I want to tap into your story a little bit tonight. I want to really begin to get you to examine what stories are you telling about your own life. Because I'm going to tell you this, the stories that you're telling about your own life, they determine what's possible in your life, and they also determine what's impossible in your life. And if we could just blast off from there, uh, that's where we'll get going. Why don't you five, three or four people, give them a high five, say go Panthers, or whatever your team is. And y'all can be seated, be seated. I, I did see some 49er fans in the room. Wow, all the way out here on the East Coast, huh? Man. I know, the 49ers, they have rings. Uh-huh, yeah, from like the 80s and stuff. I'm just messing. I, could, I, lo I, lo I love my Seahawks. You need to know, like, I'm a born, I bleed blue and green. I was just a little kid when they came to the city, man. I, I, I had the boss haircut when I was in, in school. Like, I had myself a Steve Largent jersey and a pennant, and I waited a long time to be this good. So if I gloat a little bit now and then, I'm sorry. I don't mean to gloat, really. We're very humble in Seattle. We're just really, really super surprised that we're good at anything. And so we're running with it, and uh, we, we certainly have enjoyed the success of our football team. It's actually uh, made Seattle worth living there because uh, the rest of the time it just rains, and there is no NASCAR in Seattle. So we, uh, we, we love our Seahawks. It's true. Pastor Kirk uh, tells the truth. I do. I pastor a church out in Seattle. I've uh, 
pastor of the church for 16 years as a lead pastor, one year longer than my father and mother did. My mom and dad planted the church in our home when I was 14. And uh, so I truly can say that I'm one of the guys in the church that's held every job because my mom used to say, pick your room up because church is tonight. And then after church was over, she'd say, get the vacuum and vacuum the living room. So I truly have done every single job in the church from preach on Sunday all the way down to clean the toilet and vacuum the carpet in the house where it started. And uh, I'm, so, uh, uh, I'm so amazingly godly proud that I could carry on for my mom and dad. And then I could do that. My mom and dad, their plane crashed returning home from Puerto Vallarta on January 31st of the year 2000. In fact, if you were here a few years ago when I was here, I probably told a little bit of that story then. I'm not going to tell that story in its entirety tonight. But uh, when you go through an experience like that, it begins to shape you, begins to mold you. God begins to do things in the dark seasons, in the night seasons of your life. And so, you know, it's, it's the seasons like that where we begin to tap into something that's intrinsically woven into us, and that is the ability to recover all, and that is the ability to battle back. We see it on sports fields all the time, and it plays out in these simple things like game. we, we, games. We see people dig so deep within themselves to actually rise above their circumstances, and I just wonder that if in the body of Christ and if men who call themselves Christians, I just, I just haven't seen enough of us digging deep in the fourth quarter of our own lives when, when we're really playing for keeps, when we're playing for keeps when it comes to our marriage and our children and the businesses that we started and the entrepreneurial things that we do. And I just really, like, I came tonight to just kind of tap into that fourth quarter spirit that you have, that thing that is within you, that if you truly will endure whatever you're enduring right now, and you will not let go and not give up, that you'll make it. You'll not just make it, but you'll win. And, um, and uh, so, so, so from that place, let's, uh, let's just kind of dive into this. Um, I believe with all my heart that winter is coming. I don't mean it seasonally. I believe winter is coming. I believe it, the, the, the times are pretty good right now. Things are going okay and things are happening. And yet, I believe that winter, I believe that winter is coming. Perhaps you're here and you say, Pastor Jeff, I don't have any sign of winter. Life is grand right now. My marriage is grand. My kids are grand. My business is grand. Things are happening. And, and, and I don't want to hear anything about winter. I, I know what it's like to live like that. I, I went through a season in my own life where things were great, things were grand, everything was healthy. And I didn't plan for winter when things were healthy. And then I got surprised when winter came. And the truth is, winter is coming. Scarcity is coming. There are seasons in all of our lives that what is weak will be destroyed. It will be destroyed. And, 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 and a lot of times, and, I, and I don't, I'm not going to stay in that heavy place for this message, so just bear with me for a second. If you're in a good season, man, high five and celebrate that season. But I'm smart enough to know there's some men in this room right now where scarcity is already upon you, where winter is already here where there is a bit of sifting going on in your own life. And so for those of you that are in this season, man, you are in the right place. For those of you that maybe, man, things are sailing, there's wind at my back, my sails are full, I want you to know like winter is coming. We're all going to go through seasons of winter, seasons of change, seasons of refinement, seasons that, that maybe we didn't, we didn't expect, that 
what is weak will be destroyed. The truth is, is that weak faith in the times ahead will be tested. It will be tested and weak faith will fail in the winter season. Marriages, I believe that in the coming seasons, marriages will be exposed for what they really are not what they appear to be on Sunday mornings or what they appear to be in the family pictures, but for what they really are. And some will be found wanting. I believe that, that the family, the family is under such attack right now in the culture and the time and the season that we live. Fam- winter is upon the families and families will be tested and they will be destroyed if allowed. If allowed. Businesses, in times of winter, businesses always collapse. Yet, do you know that 62% of all Fortune 1000 companies were birthed in the middle of recessions? That tells me something about business that it doesn't matter when you start, but it matters that you start. It, It shows me something that in the midst of Winter seasons of life, whether we're in them right now or when, whether we're not in them, that there's some, there's some components to them that are super, super important. I see in Ezekiel chapter 22, the prophet writes, I looked for a man among them who would build up the wall and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land so I would not have to destroy it, but I found none. I think one of the characteristics that we must tap into in preparing for winter seasons, for seasons of scarcity, for times that life will be filtered, and I believe we must figure out as men how to stand in the gap, how to fight the good fight of faith. I think we have to figure out how to love our wives and fight for our kids and stand for what's truth. Winter is coming, but winter does not have to destroy us. Winter does not have to deter us. We can stand, we can fight, we can can represent something, but I'm telling you, I'm telling you, and I learned this lesson the hard way in life a few years ago when when the Great Recession came. I was not ready for the winter of that season, and I'm not talking financially ready, I'm talking spiritually ready. See, there's something powerful about the spirit of a man. There's something powerful, and I'm not talking about the spirit of the man that, 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 that just says rah, rah, rah. I'm talking about the depth, the soul of a man. There's an interesting passage in Psalm chapter 51, and it's uh, a King David crying out, and he says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a what? A right spirit within me. So it's not just the spirit of a man, but it's a right spirit. Other scholars over times, uh, translators have said what he meant by right spirit was a steadfast spirit or a loyal spirit or resolute spirit. Another translation says a right attitude, faithful. There are a lot of words that define what what David's talking about here, renewing a right spirit, but overwhelmingly the word is is right spirit. Something comes from the spirit of a man in winter seasons that makes or breaks that man in the midst of those circumstances. Ezekiel chapter 11 verse 19, it speaks to this. 
And I will give them singleness of heart and put a what? A new spirit. That tells me something. That tells me, David told me if I can have a right spirit, then I can have a wrong spirit. If I can have a right attitude, then I can have a wrong attitude. If I can have a loyal spirit, then I can have a disloyal spirit. And this, and Ezekiel's telling me again, that if, if, if God can put a new spirit in me, then there must be something about my present spirit or my present or my old spirit that needs an update. I will take away their stony, stubborn heart and give them a tender, responsive heart. What? A tender, responsive heart. Ezekiel, he's prophesying about the transformative power of Jesus Christ. How many know there's no other name like Jesus Christ that can arrest and capture and mold the human heart? There's no other way to renew our heart except for the name of Jesus Christ, but there, there, there's something incredible about the spirit of a man, you and I. See, God made incredible promises to you and I. It's promised that he'll give us one heart, a heart firmly fixed on him, firmly fixed on Christ, not wavering. So I have news for the winter season that's coming. As for me and my house, our spirit is fixed, it's anchored, it's established, it's unwavering, it's one heart with the heart of God in the midst of whatever circumstance should blow. And as men, we've got to realize that there are many fronts that the battle is fought upon. The fronts of our own soul, the fronts of our family, the fronts of our marriage, the fronts of our entrepreneurship or our career or what we're doing, the front, the front where we're going to school and what we're learning and how we're growing. See, all who are made to have a new spirit get a new temper. They get a new disposition. They begin to act from new principles. They walk by new rules and they aim at new ends. It's a new name, if you will, a new face. 2 Corinthians says this, second verse that I ever memorized as a little boy. Second verse I ever memorized as a little boy. My mom come in, she would sit with me every night, and she, my first verse my, my dad made me memorize, Psalm 23, because that's what his dad made him memorize. This is right out, I was just eight years old. My mom comes in and she says, Jeff, if anyone be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. It's speaking directly to the Spirit of the man. It's speaking to your spirit, my spirit. There's something awesome about the spirit of a man. A right spirit creates a new story. Your spirit has to do with your mental aspect, your mindset. It has to do with your mind, your will, your emotions, your attitudes. And when it's right, you will win deep and dig deep into the fourth quarter. You will go the extra mile to do whatever it takes. You'll run the last set of wind sprints. You'll do the extra hours at work and you'll do it with a smile on your face and a kick in your step because when your heart is fixed on the things of God and your spirit is renewed to those things, and you feel called to that mission, called to those customers, called to that wife, 
called to those children. Call. When you have the right spirit, it gives birth to a new story. So if you walked in here tonight and your story's a little dark and winter's upon you and, and you're feeling a little ashamed of who you are and where you're going and where you're looking, I'm telling you, it doesn't begin with this big transformative change. It begins with you renewing your spirit and allowing Christ to begin to elevate who you believe you are and what you're called to do. Because out of our spirit comes our story. There's two, two states of our story. When you sit down with a man, you can tell very quickly whether he's suffering or whether it's beautiful. Not to belabor it, but I, I, I went through a tough season as a pastor. Um, just, we, 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 I'll just give you the, the 20,000 foot level. We closed on our building. We were buying a building for our church, and we closed on it, and we spent $1.2 million cash on August of 2008. 60 days later, the economy collapsed in Seattle. It lagged behind the rest of the country. And I found myself within six months, 30 days behind, and our budget at our church had fallen off 42%. And I couldn't make the mortgage payment of the building we just purchased. Now, for a while, I'm telling you, for a while, it's pretty tough to keep me down. I'm, 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 the, type, I'm the type of driver, I'm not very fast on Friday. Friday's the day you qualify. How many know they don't write checks for qualifying? <laughs> fast Friday's not my style. Fast Saturdays are my style, but not fast Fridays. So at first, I didn't get alarmed. I just kept grinding, just kept grinding, just kept grinding. Just kept going, just kept doing what God, but pretty soon the effects of the pressure started to tilt my head down, folded my shoulders in. I had a hard time walking with the same confidence as a man of God with the pressure I was under. Your story always starts in your spirit. My spirit was downtrodden. I wasn't telling the story yet, but my spirit was downtrodden. And I got low enough to where I started to tell the story. And the story didn't include the comeback. It didn't include the great faith that I, we had built the church on. It didn't include the necessary ingredients to shape a new possibility. Instead, it included, why is this happening to me? Why is this happening now? And when's it going to stop? And how long is it going to last? My spirit got down before my story got low. There's this old secular song called, How Low Can We Go? How many in here that's been under some pressure before know you can go really low? You can go really low. 
What stories are you telling right now? It took some time for me. I was low for quite a while, and all of a sudden, my coach in my life grabs me and stamps me up straight and slaps me around a little bit. Not really, but, but, but like gave me the shot in the arm that I needed to get. The crazy thing was, I've been telling the story for a couple years and grinding it out, and we were still just hanging on to that 30-day thing for like two years. It was brutal, but it was real. And all of a sudden, a miracle came into our world. Man gave our church $441,000 in one gift to save our building. It was amazing. But that didn't happen. And I'm, and I'm only talking, I'm not share that on a Sunday morning, but I'm talking to men who provide for their families and build businesses, grow things up, and feel the responsibility to be leaders. So that's why I'm telling this particular story. But that gift didn't happen until the story changed. And the story didn't change until I got a new attitude and a right spirit about me that God, you can. See, see, all of us have thresholds. All of us have thresholds in life. I, you walked in tonight with thresholds. Here's, here, you're here, and here's your first threshold. And, you know, for me, it was like this big money thing. But, but some people have a big marriage thing. Some people have a, have a, have a raising their kids thing. And, and I'm telling you that every, every time you reach another barrier in your life, it's going to take a level of your spirit stepping up before the story becomes possible that God might use you in amazing ways. Every one of the football teams that we were representing tonight, they had a, a story they began to tell before they ever developed the strategy to get to where they want. But I'm telling you, if you're always walking around like your spirit's broken and you're downtrodden and you're always telling the story of why you're not enough and how you did, you missed this opportunity and how it broke down, man, I get it, I've been there. I've been in that place where I felt like I was just swimming against the tide. And all of a sudden, but from, from the strength of your spirit, where you get up in the morning and you're like David and you're like, create in me tonight, God, a clean heart and renew a right attitude within me, God. It starts there. Because out of there, we begin to tell different stories. We get, begin to break thresholds. But it takes the same type of tenacity and the same type of energy and the same type of focus. It takes that depth that's in you as a man of God, as a warrior, as a gladiator to fight through the, the, the spirit that you've had and the stories that you've told, and it takes some time. But if you'll begin to change the story... I'm telling you, God will give you a new strategy. Spirit, story, strategy. You start talking about where you're going to go, and you start walking like you're on your way to get there because your walk and your posture and your strength that comes from 
within your spirit. And that spirit gives birth to a new story. And so, I guess I have a question tonight. What story is limiting you right now? I mean, uh, my story was a financial story. If you'd have called me on the phone between 08, 09, 2010, I'd have told it to you. I mean, not even, not even consciously intending to tell you. Is your story a story of a failed marriage? It just comes up all the time. You just keep telling that story. That story won't change until your spirit changes. Until you awaken that man of God that's within and renew the right spirit. Maybe, maybe, maybe the story is just some, some bad choices you made. And here's the, here's the amazing thing. The story can actually be true. But that doesn't mean you need to tell it over and over and over and over and over and over and over. Because I'm telling you, that story's ripping off your spirit. And you want to go to a new place, a new destiny. You want to survive the next winter. You got to stop telling that story you're telling you. Anybody in here, can you think of a story? Anybody willing to share it with the group? Anybody? You're, you're there? Anybody willing to share your story? What st story are you telling? Share it with the group. Anybody? Come on. Anybody? I mean, we, we got no, no preachers in here? No future preachers? Come on now. How I many you telling a story and it's ripping you off and you realize that in this moment right now? Right back here. Right back here. Right back here in the back. Right back in the back. Hey, Roger. I'm bringing you a mic so everybody can hear. Uh, my name is Roger. This is kind of crazy. I don't know why I'm doing this right now. But um, I feel like I don't belong in a place of, of a room full of guys because I never felt like I was a man enough to really belong here or anywhere. You wow. know, The story I'm telling is that um, my dad never fathered me the way he was supposed to, and that affected my relationship with God because I, could, I, didn't, I don't think he's the father that all of us tend to know and worship. You know, I, 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 I thought that I was... Some, I thought I was a Christian this whole time, and really I was just following the wrong kind of father. And I've come to realize this recently that, you know, I, God had to undo all the lies that's been told to me of who he really is because he's not the God that I think he is. He really is. Uh, Jesus, I mean, he really does have a son named Jesus that died for me and rose again in three days, defeated death, hell, and the grave. You know, that he has died for my sins past, present, and future. You know, I walk around with my head down all the time. People ask me what's wrong. I've been telling a story all day today over some nicotine. You know what I'm saying? I've been telling the whole story, you know, how my life could have got ruined over a cigarette. But that's not the point. It wasn't the cigarette that my life got ruined. It was I wanted people to feel sorry for my situation. And Roger, that's been my story. Roger, I want to go back real quickly. You said you didn't grow up with a father present. Yeah. Is that what you said? Did I hear you right? He was present but not there but not there. And so your relationship with the Father God was distorted because of the relationship that you have with your dad. Right. Yeah, you know what? I know a lot of men that battle that. A lot of men battle that. What would you need to believe 
about God in this moment to never tell that story again? What would God need to show you? What would you need to believe about him so that you would lay that story of my father was present, but he didn't father me right? Never tell that story again. Not to any of your friends, not anything. All you do is talk about your father God and how awesome he is. What would you have to believe about God? That he would never abandon me. Ah. See, that's the root right there. That's the root. The root, the limiting beliefs, guys, that we end up with when we're growing in Christ is that sense of abandonment that we feel. It keeps our spirit, it keeps it on lockdown. See, it's not, it's not the issue of your dad that's got a chokehold on your life. It's the perspective of abandonment with the Father God that I'm all in until I start feeling a little shaky. And then I back away. But the reality is, is when the story changes, I experienced this same journey. I, I always saw God kind of like a, he was kind of like my critic. I always saw him come with his arms folded and kind of looking down on me like, hope you're doing a good job. And I went through the same perspective that it was a shift. And I started not telling the story about God looking like that anymore. I started to see God like Isaiah chapter 62 where he delights in us. Zephaniah 3.17 says he sings songs over us. John chapter 21, Peter denies him three times. In John chapter 21, doesn't matter if, it, if Peter denied him 67 times, he'd have restored him 67 times. I read the prodigal God, I mean, sorry, the prodigal son. I changed it to the prodigal God. I think the son was just living out what he saw his father do his whole life. And what he realized is that when the son came home as the father's waiting, it's just lavish living on the son that he's returned. Roger, I, I speak over you in Jesus' name. The Lord your God will never leave you, the word says. He'll never forsake you in the midst of your loneliest times, in the darkest hours, in the winterest seasons, whether it's relationally or in your job or wherever. I'm telling you, the Father God is with you. He doesn't leave you in your brokenness. He doesn't step away in your journey and your pain. Man, one of the most powerful scriptures in the whole Bible for when we go through difficult times, man, is Jesus wept. He's in the trenches with us. He doesn't abandon us. I want you to, as you go forward from this night, your strategy is this. See, spirit story strategy. Your strategy is this. I want you to set an alarm on your phone. I want it to go off every 30 minutes. I want you to sit down, write yourself out a little paragraph that you'll read to yourself about how God will never leave you or forsake you. Make it a dozen words, make it 20 words, and every 30 minutes when your phone goes off in your pocket, read that and do that for a week and watch what happens of the fear of abandonment that you have in your Father. It will dissipate at the presence of the Lord and you will walk in a greater greater grace on your own life and a greater strength, I believe that. Amen, come on, give it up for Roger. You know, guys, it's easy when, when things are all on the upswing and the, the, the bar graphs are going to the moon. But winter comes. It comes to us all. And before it comes, if we can prepare our spirit 
Or how will our spirit respond when it gets tough? How will it respond? Will it, will it become downtrodden? Oh man, I'm going through it. Or will it rise above and be like, man, I don't know how we're going through this, but we're going through this. I don't know who in this room, I don't know what you're battling. I, I, I sense in my, as I was coming here and as I was driving here today, I sensed that there were some businessmen in this room. And it is a greater grind than you ever signed up for. And you're tired. And you're actually, you've been even thinking about like, like thrown in the towel. And just, man, it'd just be easier to go and work for somebody else. Because you're, you're in this particular situation, for the guys that I'm talking to, you're in charge. And I came here to pray over you and to speak into your spirit that you don't have to bow or back up in this season. And if you can begin to retool how you're thinking about this season that you're in, you can begin to rethink your mind, train your spirit. You begin to tell a different story about that business. And that story that you begin to tell about that business will make possibilities in that business. Because if we constantly get up and just tell ourselves every day, man, it's been bad. I don't think it's going to get any better. If that's our spirit, then we get what we get. But if we allow God to come in and arrest our heart and we tap into that warrior spirit, that, that, that burning desire that's kept you, sir, in it as long as you've stayed in it. Man, are there any business guys like that? Because I want to pray for you tonight right in here. In this, just stand up right where you're at. Just stand up. I'm not going to bring you up front or point you out or embarrass you. I don't want to do that. Guys around them, will you just uh, extend your hands towards them? Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, I pray, God, Lord, for each of these men standing, God. Lord, they're passionate about their business. They wouldn't have been in it to this level, this degree, this level of commitment. But in Jesus' name, Father, I thank you, Lord, for strengthening, God, their spirit right now. Lord, I bind, God, Lord, discouragement. Lord, I come against, God, Lord, depression, God, oppression, frustration, God. Lord, I speak now in Jesus' name. Lord, words of life, attitudes of life, God. Lord, renew a right spirit in them in Jesus' name. In fact, if we'd all just stand, just stand right where we're at, I, I think we should all do this right now. Just say these words. Say, say God. And you business guys, say it with all your heart. God, renew a right spirit within me. Create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit. Thank you, Father. Guys, I just think that, I just think the story can change tonight. The story of Jesus in the tomb changed radically with Jesus out of the tomb. And I don't care how dark it is or how deep the hole is, or how difficult the struggle is. You, you are created. Your shoulders are wide enough. Your back is strong enough. You are a man of God, anointed,
protected, girded up, and winter, I get it, is upon you. But you can dig deep. And you can change the confession of your mouth. And you can speak to those things that are holding you back. And begin to tell a different story. A story that says, I'm not going to be limited. I'm not going to be held down. I'm going to go on to who God's called me to be. Guys, it can... It doesn't just have to be business, it can be marriage, it can be raising kids, it can be your faith. I'm telling you, what would you have to believe? What would you have to believe in the next 24 hours to give your everything to the restoration and the repair of that which you're telling a story that's no longer serving you? What would you have to believe over the next seven days What would you have to believe over the next 12 months? I'm telling you, it begins from the center of our spirit. David prayed, renew a right spirit. I'm telling you, sometimes things go wrong in our life because it's wrong within us. And when we give that to God and we say, God, renew a right spirit, all of a sudden our story begins to change. We begin to talk about what is possible. And then from that comes the strategy. I didn't spend a lot of time on strategy, but from your spirit comes the stories you tell. And from the stories you tell comes what's possible and impossible in your own life. And I pray in Jesus' name that the Rock Church here in Asheville, North Carolina, I pray that your stories be stories of what is possible, stories of overcoming, stories of turnaround, stories of comeback, stories of repair, stories of restoration. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.